We want to go ahead and send out another warm welcome to any first-time guests that may be here today. It is always our delight to experience first-time guests, and it is always our prayer that you might experience the love and the presence of God through his word, through his music, and through his people. We do a little tradition here where we ask you to uh, take a few moments at the end of the worship service to um, uh, take your picture and uh, we have a big board back there where we pray over that big board uh, and the people who visit us for whatever need you might have. And we also send you a picture as well so that you might pray for us. We've had a kind of a chaotic uh, experience this morning given that we had to usher up the contemporary worship service here uh, at the last moment. But uh, we do, did do a different worship theme down in the fellowship hall. And uh, Dan and his crew did a really wonderful job with that, so we thank them very much. But there's one wire that got cut somewhere, and uh, we had to move up here. So if you see Dan, give him a compliment on that, and you can go down and enjoy that for yourself. Obviously, it is a whole new year. Who's excited? Can you believe it's already January 5th? Man, this year's going by quickly, isn't it? It's almost like every year goes by really, really quickly. But like all churches do, we kind of uh, recharge uh, the vision and the mission. Now, how many do you know that the Bay Point mission is to get and to make disciples that transform the world? How many know that? How many repeat that? Pray that. Work for that. Okay? Amen. That's the power of a mission. And uh, we exist for the mission. And one way that we go about fulfilling our mission before the Lord is through our get, grow, go process. Now, who's familiar with the get, grow, grow process? It's only five minutes old. Don't worry about it, okay? So our process is that we get people. We invite people to Christ so that they may grow in Christ, so that they may, after growing in Christ, may go with Christ out in, in order to save and to transform and to serve the world. That's our ministry process here. Get, grow, go. We also have another way that we fulfill our mission, and that is by doing our vision. How many know what a vision is? Vision is God's preferred future for us. And the way we understand it and articulate it here at Bay Point is that God has called us to create irresistible churches everyone enjoys. Will you say that with me so it gets deep into your soul? Ready? To create irresistible churches everyone enjoys. Now, how many of you know that that is a behalf? <laughs> Do you know what a behalf is? Okay, a BHAV is an acronym, a big, hairy, audacious vision. Okay, that is really, really, really big because we know that today people inside and even outside the church may not think of or experience the church as being irresistible, but in many ways, resistible. National surveying and polling has been consistent over the last 20 years that most people find Jesus Christ himself irresistible. But his church, not so much. Not so much. The three major reasons that explain 
why 70% of Americans no longer darken the door of a church for anything. Are you ready for this? You know them. You've understood them. The three things are money, hypocrites, boring, money, hypocrites, and boring. Now, let's be honest here. All organizations need money. How many did you know that? I'm really glad you came to church to find that out this morning, right? All organizations need money to do the things that they're called to do, including churches. Amen? On the second point about hypocrites, the church is for everyone. Amen? Sinner, seeker, and saint. As I like to describe it, the church is for reforming sinners and rookie saints, just like me. The church is open for everyone. And guess what? Believe it or not, you're going to surprise you. Not everybody has their act in order. Did you know that? Not everybody thinks the same way we think. Not everybody does everything, every second that glorifies God. Did you know that, right? But this is the place of forgiveness. This is the place of discipleship. This is the place of teaching. This is the place of learning how to be like Jesus. Amen? And on this third thing about being boring, it is absolutely impossible for the church to be like Disney or to be like the internet or to be like TV and always creating an experience that is entertaining and titillating. How many know that the church can't do that? Nor should it. However, and let me throw this however at you. However, the abuse and the emotional manipulation to raise funds is flat out resistible. Amen? That's why we'll never do that here. We'll never beat you over the head so that you give more money. Although we need money, amen? The other point about the church being hypocritical, we can say, all right, that to say you believe in one thing and to purposely do another thing, how I many you know that's resistible? Right? Everybody say, oh me. All right? And the sense of being boring. It is not okay for the Christ follower or Christ-centered churches to be predictable, to be mundane, and to be uncreative. How many did you know that? Right? In fact, where the Holy Spirit does his best work, we will find creativity, we will find energy, and we will find love. So many times it seems like churches are trying to be resistible instead of irresistible. But that's our calling, and that's our task, and that is our vision here at Bay Point Church. Now, we hope today that you came today because you were really, really, really glad to be here, okay? Right? Now, it used to be that we could get away with those things because culture said, go to church, and guilt said, go to church. Don't want God to be mad at me for the week, so I better get my rear end in church, right? Our parents used to say, go to church. I'm not afraid to confess to you that I had a drug problem. 
Four times a week, my mama drugged me to church. Four times, all right? And you know what? Even duty said, go to church. Now, how many do you know that in today's culture, today's parents, today's guilt, and today's duty are not leading anyone to church? I had a wonderful opportunity during my week off to golf at a prestigious resort north of Tampa. And uh, the course was beautiful and it was tons of fun. And, and uh, my buddies that I took with me, we all had sore backs at the end of the round. So as soon as we finished the round, everybody said, where is the hot tub? It was one of these really cool, like 55 degree nights. And so we dive into the hot tub. And guess what's in there? You're not going to believe it. I, I, I couldn't believe we actually discovered one. I was so amazed and impressed we found three millennials in the hot tub. Millennials. You know who they are? Not quite sure. They're the world's largest generation right now. They just surpassed the boomers. So we're sitting there and having, they were good young men. And uh, we were talking about some things and asking, what does everybody do? Every one of them has a job that involves a computer. Every one of them has a job where they don't have to go to work. They can work straight from their home. It's quite interesting. So they said, hey, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a preacher. And they, I said, because I'm a preacher, I need to ask you something. Less than 20% of your generation now goes to church. I got to know why. I want to reach your generation for Jesus Christ. So the one guy said, what is a preacher? I'm serious. And another person said, church, right? That's where you do weddings and funerals, right? And I said, well, it's a little more than that. And then one, the other young man just said, you know, and this is the worst thing that can be said about a church. Just don't think about it. Sundays? That's just another Saturday. So we just do things. I mean, we don't love the church and we don't hate the church. In fact, we don't have any feelings towards the church. And so how many do you know the guilt and duty in parents? And I asked the one, I said, did your parents ever take you to church? Remember, his parent was a boomer, right? And said, no, we've never gone to church. So how many know that relying on the old ways of getting the people to church aren't working anymore? But when we think about becoming an irresistible church, I did a lot of extensive research on this word irresistibility. Uh, really, I just Googled it, looked on the online dictionary, right? Irresistible, it only means too tempting to resist. That's pretty deep, isn't it? That's very profound, isn't it? Too tempting to resist. For instance, how many of you found those Christmas cookies? Too hard to resist this past Christmas season, right? I think we all did, didn't we? How many of you know that that sunset over at Nakoma Beach is really, really too tempting to resist? It really, really is. And so when we're talking about something that is irresistible, we're talking about 
something that is delightful, something that is desirous, something that is captivating, something that is compelling, something that is enchanting, and something that is exciting. We're talking about something as I get to and I want to, not the motivation of I have to. We're talking about something. We want people to come to church much like a, a bear goes to the honey, the bee to the pollen, the moth to the light, and the duck to water. They didn't laugh at the first service in that one either. Hello. Are you guys still out there this morning? We're talking about what King David said about his church back in the great ascent psalm. Psalm 122 verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many were glad this morning? When your spouse elbowed you and said, no sleeping in, we're going to church this morning. Now hear me now and believe me later. But this year, 2020, marks my 30th year in ordained ministry. Thank you. Thank you very much. I know you, you can't believe I made it. No, don't do that. It's only by the grace of God and a real persevering spirit. But let me just tell you, I have yet to hear anyone say, you know, Pastor, I am so tempted to go to church. I don't know what to do with myself. I've yet to hear that. I've heard many reasons why people are tempted not to come to church, but tempted to go to church. Now that would give me a coronary of no recovery. I would let you know, though, I would die a very happy pastor at that point. But that's exactly the type of church we want to create here at Bay Point. Now, as I said earlier, the unchurched generally, generally don't have strong feelings or any feelings towards the church, but they have no problem with Jesus. This is the most incredible thing. So my change, my tactics, I like to talk about Jesus Christ with the unchurched and keep the church stuff away from them at least initially. But why do people who don't have anything to do with church find Jesus irresistible? Well, when you're doing your readings, your devotionals in the Gospels, have you ever just noticed how much people loved to hang around Jesus? Think about it for just a moment. His original disciples, the 12, easily, in a heartbeat, gave up their generational-long profession, fishing, to follow him. Now, that's pretty irresistible, isn't it? The crowds, the thronging crowds that followed him wherever they went, sure, they loved his teaching, it was otherworldly, and they really loved his miracles, which were awesome. But they also loved his personality. Children, how many know that children have the best baloney detectors of all? Right? Children can sniff out a person who is authentic quicker than we know how to say, how do you figure that out? But children loved hanging around Jesus. They loved playing with Jesus. Even Jesus' family members, his nuclear family, if you will, even they found him irresistible. How many know that's very impressive 
irresistibility. When somebody who knows you the best wants to hang around you the most. Jesus was a people person. Jesus was a people magnet. He was irresistible because he made people feel loved. He made people feel accepted. He made people feel forgiven. He made people feel inspired. Who loves hanging around those types of personalities, by the way? We all do, don't we? We are really drawn to that. But Jesus just didn't, you know, um, just absolutely just inspire people and leave it go at that. He also convicted people and he challenged people to be better for God, to be better for themselves, to be better for this world in which we live. Now, I could go on about the joy and the peace and the holiness that radiated from Jesus' personality. But I want to end this point or summarize this point with a famous quote from a famous theologian, uh, Calvin V. Slaffer, in his famous book called The Incomparable Christ. He says, the appeal and contagion of Jesus' personality cannot be ignored. Here is a person who, according to the testimony of history and the verdict of personal experience, embodies in himself the inscrutable elements of soul, which are the perfection of humanity and the fulfillment of its destiny. There is a majesty to his person that convinces the mind, satisfies the heart, and quickens the will. Hoops of steel should bind us to him. I love that. Hoops of steel should bind us to him. Now, you know this as well as I do, but there's a spiritual dynamic in place for each Christ follower. The more we know, the more we worship, the more we experience the irresistible Christ, the more we become irresistible in our character, in our spirits, and in our personalities. Amen? This is perhaps the chief reason why Hebrews 12 verse 2 encourages us to stay focused on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. This is why the Apostle Paul told us that the overarching goal of the Christ follower is to continually conform to the image of Jesus Christ. So for me, it stands to reason that if Christ is irresistible and we are becoming more like Christ, amen, we ourselves are becoming irresistible. And when we come together as the church of Jesus Christ, we then can, we then should, we then will build an irresistible community. Who believes that this morning? Who's following that logic today? Jesus expected this from us, church. He expected us. When he used those three incredible metaphors in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he called the church the light of the world, the city on the hill, and the salt of the earth all magnetizing, irresistible communities. The Apostle Paul himself expected the church of Jesus Christ to be irresistible when he said that we are a culture of faith, hope, and love, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is who we are. 
This is who we're called to be. Christ is irresistible. And he's expecting that his church be irresistible as well. Now, for the glory of God and for the sake of our mission to get and make disciples, let's declare 2020 together as the year of irresistibility for our church. Now, who's all up for that? Put your thumb up if you're up for that, right? Come on, a few more before I continue. All right, I'm not moving on to everybody. Puts both their thumbs up, okay? All right, I can move on now. All right, so... That's great. That's a marvelous vision, right? I'm sure all churches wish they were irresistible. But how many know we're going to have to work for it? And I'm going to tell you how. Some of the things you're going to be really glad to hear, and some of the things you're not. So just be prepared. The very first thing on how to become more of an irresistible church is to get rid of the three G's of resistibility. You ready for them? (laughs) the first one is gossip did y'all hear that go ahead and whisper that in somebody's ear the famous preacher Chuck Swindoll used to say that gossip is the church's favorite indoor game Now, let me ask you something. Are you drawn to somebody who always gossips about you? No. (laughs) Do we think the unchurched are going to be drawn to a church that's always gossiping? So we have to ban gossip from this community right now in the name of Jesus. If you're a gossiper, okay, get a clap on that point. Go ahead. If you're a gossiper, I promise you we can do an exorcism, an enema, or both for you. So we can end that whole thing. Nobody likes gossip. Amen. The second thing we got to get rid of is grumbling. How many know that's in our spiritual DNA? Straight from the Israelites themselves. It's easy to grumble. I get it. You know what I'm saying? We grumble. And, and you know what? God doesn't really like it. He just doesn't like it. That God hates it. Just stop grumbling. And the third thing is do something about gloominess. How many loves worshiping God, connecting to a faith community where everybody's gloomy? (laughs) Where, you know what they sing at every worship service? The old hee-haw song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. We have the greatest Lord, the greatest faith, the greatest word, the greatest Savior, the greatest people, the greatest calling, the greatest mission, the greatest vision, the greatest eternity. Why are we so glum? Gloominess out. Amen? Amen. We can do exorcisms if you need that, but we'll do that for you. Now, the second way we're going to become more of an irresistible church is to take the irresistibility challenge. Before you know what it is, don't flip it up yet. Who's ready for that? Put your hand up. Come on, be brave. Be brave. Come on, all right? The irresistibility challenge. Now, here's how it works. I want you to take somebody that you love dearly, 
and who loves you dearly, take them out for a cup of coffee. And when you take them out for a cup of coffee, ask them two questions. Flip them up. When you think of my personality, what is irresistible? And what is resistible? Remember, it takes an irresistible people to build an irresistible church, amen? Each and every one of us are responsible to build this irresistibility. And although God loves us, no, God has died for us, and he's got a great calling on our lives, there are, you know, wonderful things about each and every one of us. So when you're talking to somebody, will you name for me 1,000 of my irresistible qualities? Okay. And then after they do that, will you name just three of my resistible qualities? Okay? Now what this will do, after you reverse the roles, right? After you do this, this will absolutely gain us two things. First of all, self-confidence. Look at somebody right now and say, you're more awesome than you think. Go ahead, do that right now. You are more awesome than you think. You are. You are created by God in his image. He has breathed his life into your soul. You are really, really awesome. Think about what David said in Psalm 139. David get, would get up and look in the mirror and say, wow, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. That's awesomeness, right? What this will do is give us self-confidence but also self-awareness. How many of you have a hard time with your blind spots like I do? You know, there's just some things I'm doing and saying. I don't even know what I'm doing or saying. You know what I mean? Because I've been warped by sin. And I need somebody lovingly to come up and talk to me about that. That's how I grow in Christ the most. You know? How I many know that's the challenging part? Right? <laughs> now, if you're brave enough to do this with your spouse, I just want to offer that I do marriage therapy during the week, and you all can come in and we'll work on that. But take somebody else, preferably. So to become an irresistible people, we've got to know how we're irresistible in God and the things we have to work on in God. So that's the second step. Take the irresistible challenge. The third thing we need to do is to truly engage in servant ministries for our community. The fourth thing, and I didn't mention it in the introduction, the fourth reason why people find churches resistible is they say that you're only in it for yourselves. Man, let me ask you a question. How many of you think that Jesus was only in it for himself? No. He was in it for the glory of God and the salvation of all people. And so somehow, over the years, churches have gotten that horrible reputation. How do we change that and become an irresistible church? Well, we go out in the name of Christ... And we just talk to people, we serve people, we help people, we join helping organizations that are truly doing what we ought to be doing. 
we quadruple our irresistibility the moment somebody thinks of Bay Point Church and says, they're in it for us. They exist for us. They love us. They bless us. They pray for us. Now, how many know you can't buy that kind of talk for all the money in the world? But see, when we do those types of things that Jesus spoke about, the irresistible servant ministries of Matthew 5.16, and they will see your good actions, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. Church, how many know that's why we come to church in the first place? We just want people to glorify, glorify our Father in heaven, and then come and meet the irresistible Christ in our irresistible church. I guarantee you, as sure as I'm standing here today, if we get rid of the three G's of resistibility, if we take the irresistible challenge, and if we go out and engage in servant ministries, 2020 will be the best, the most fulfilling, and the most awesome year this church has ever had in its 152 years of existence. Amen? Will you bow with me and let us pray? Gracious God, we thank you that you have given us a great mission. You have given us a great vision. We thank you, God, that you have blessed us with a marvelous church. We thank you for the awesome worship. We thank you for the incredible fellowship. We thank you for all the ministries that we do. They're truly, truly making a difference. But Lord God, we want more. We want more of you. And we want to see people come to you.